Hello, this is Christine Peterson with A Toolkit for a Better Life. In this podcast, we will focus on how our bodies and our minds work and give you various tips and tricks, tools and techniques for understanding yourself, being happier in yourself and living a better life. Every week, we will discuss different topics that might interest you and help you think differently to change the way you approach life and yourself. We talk about the little things that make a big difference. Hello. Today I'm talking with Mason de Chachor, my friend and colleague who shares many of my interests in how our minds and bodies function and how small changes can make a big difference in how we live our lives. Nice to hear you again, Mason. How are you? Fine. Always a pleasure. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for being here. So, Mason, today we're here to explore and analyze the concept of beauty. And we're also going to discuss whether we can make ourselves more beautiful. That's right. So, where do you think we should start? Well, let's start by, as we always do, defining the concept. Okay. So, let's look at the etymological origins of the word beauty. The word beauty comes from the old French word beauté, which in turn derives from the Latin word bellitas. And bellitas comes from the Latin word bellus, meaning handsome, pretty. The word bellus is thought to be of uncertain origin, but it may be related to the Proto-Indo-European root behel, which means to shine hmm. or gleam. Hmm. And this is also the root of the words uh, that like bright, blaze, and flame. Still, of course, it doesn't tell us what beauty is. Yeah, you're right. Now, of course, beauty is a subjective and a multifaceted concept that's really difficult to define in a universal way. So generally, it refers to a quality or a combination of qualities in either an object or a person or even an experience that can give pleasure or satisfaction to our senses or to our mind. Now, Beauty can be found in many, many forms, including visual art and music and nature, human faces and bodies, actually even animal faces and bodies, emotions and ideas. And beauty is often associated with qualities like harmony and symmetry, balance, proportion, simplicity, complexity, uniqueness, and of course, originality. Now, mm. Since beauty is subjective, what's considered beautiful really varies across cultures. It varies across historical periods and, of course, individual perspectives, the way we were brought up. So what one person finds beautiful, another may not. And what's considered beautiful today may not be so in the future. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, okay, so beauty is subjective, and if it is uh, then it's reflected in the universally recognized and often expressed idea that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Ah, uh, yeah, yep. Heard of that one. I'm sure our listeners have as well. So where does that come from? Ah, uh, okay. So you want us to go down that rabbit hole. Okay, yep. let's see. Um, <laughs> there, there are many assertions, because we were looking at this regarding that. 
some sources attribute the first use of the modern-day expression to a woman called Margaret Worfey Hungerford, born Hamilton, who wrote mm-hmm. a number of books under the pseudonym of the Duchess. And her, in her 1878 work, uh, Molly Bowne, she wrote, Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Aha, so that's where it started. Well, there are uh, maybe other sources, so let's see where they actually comes from. So sometimes the origin of this phrase can be attributed to the Irish author and philosopher Edmund Burke, who first used a similar expression in his book, Theories of Beauty and Taste, which he wrote in 1756. Now, the exact phrase, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, is also attributed to the Scottish philosopher and essayist David Hume, who used a similar expression in his essay of the standard of taste in 1757. It just sounds like everybody's getting to the same thing at the same time, huh? Yeah, you're right. So so let's okay, let's climb out of this rabbit hole and return to the external determinants of beauty, which psychologists have deemed are universal. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about symmetry? Ah, well, when it comes to facial symmetry and attractiveness, perfection is not necessary. And this might surprise us. Now, this is actually because only 2% of the world's population has true facial symmetry. We like facial symmetry, it's desired. But actually, a completely symmetrical face is not seen as normal and often has the opposite effect on people. Yeah, really, I think it appears unnatural and fabricated. This reminds me of a poem by Gerald Manley Hopkins, which I read in school. Uh, This was in, in high school. It's called Pied Beauty, and it's a celebration of various things created by God. The speaker praises God for creating spotted and dappled things. And he comments on the changeable nature of the world and argues that everything in the universe is destined to alter except God's beauty. Hmm. And it celebrates diversity. Speaking of diversity and cultural differences, uh, why don't you, Christine, tell our listeners about this wonderful story you have, and true, about the Nigerian woman who used to work with her father. Of course, yeah, that is such an interesting story. And it really shows the diversity and how beauty is so subjective. So my father was working in Port Harcourt in Nigeria um, just after the Biafra War. So this was 78, 79, 80 maybe. And his secretary in the company that he was running was a absolutely a, what we would consider a beautiful young woman. She was maybe 20, 21 years old. So one day she came to my father and she asked him if she could have leave of three months. And that's quite a long leave. So he asked her, you know, what's going on? And she said, well, I'm getting married. Congratulations. Fantastic. Uh, Yes, she said. And of course, before I get married, I need to become more beautiful. And he said, well, you already look really beautiful, uh, if I may say so. And she said, well, yeah, but I would like to take the leave because I need to go back to my village and I need to stay there for three months to be fattened up, to become more beautiful in the eyes of my my future husband and his family. Mm. And that was pretty remarkable. What she was saying, what she actually told my father was that she would go back to her village and she would stay in a hut. She would live in a hut 
in the compound of her parents, and she would be fed the most fatty, succulent food that they had for three months. And she was not allowed to move. She was not allowed to walk. She was not allowed to do any exercise until she got to a certain weight. And so, well, it wasn't a weight. It was until she got to a certain volume, actually, that was then considered to be beautiful. And in fact, my father said, of course, yes, if you need to do this, you have to do this. And she did. And she it worked. <laughs> she had the wedding. And then after the wedding, she came back to work. And my father said, Christine, this was such a different woman who walked in to the office <laughs> that first day after a long period of rest, really. Absolute rest. Yeah. So this really shows that there's such a difference. It's so subjective and it's so cultural what beauty is. And it really is in the eye and in the village of the beholder. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's, it's, it's a great story. It really is something. And this explains how beauty is, is beholding cultural frameworks and different ethnicities. There's also the fact that our concept of beauty has evolved and changed throughout history. What was considered beautiful in one era or society uh, might not be considered so in another. And there, yeah. there are several examples of how beauty has changed throughout the ages. First, ancient times. In ancient times, physical strength and power were considered beautiful, particularly mm -hmm. in men. In women, it was fertility and the ability to bear children. And those were seen as attractive qualities. And then during the Renaissance, um, beauty was associated with symmetry. Uh, but we, as we know, it, you know, mm. if it's perfect, it's not that attractive. Mm. But associated with symmetry and proportion, uh, as it was in the Renaissance in art and architecture. In terms of physical beauty, pale skin and plump bodies were considered attractive. Mm -hmm. In the Victorian era, modesty and restraint were valued, and women were expected to cover their bodies and wear conservative clothing. The ideal beauty was pale, very pale skin, rosy mm -hmm. cheeks, and, and a tiny waist. And then you have the 20s. In the 20s, the flapper era. Women began to embrace a more androgynous look, the Greta Garbo look, with short mm. hair, boyish figure. Uh, women also started to wear more makeup and experiment with fashion. And then the 60s, in the 60s, ideal beauty was a more natural, carefree look, long hair, tan skin, minimal makeup. Mm. And now in the 21st century, uh, recent times, perception of beauty has become more diverse and inclusive. Thank God, with a greater appreciation of for different skin tones, body types, cultural backgrounds. Yeah, really. There's, there's also, yeah, there's also an increasing focus on health and wellness, mm. with an emphasis uh, on natural beauty and self care. So overall, the perception of beauty has been shaped by cultural norms, societal values, historical trends, and it will continue to evolve over time. Yeah, you're right. And then there's the idea that the concept of beauty is both learned and innate, and it's driven by biology. This is really interesting. There are certain aspects of beauty that are universally appreciated across cultures. For example, symmetrical faces, not too symmetrical, clear skin, healthy hair. And these, of course, are likely to be influenced by our biological factors. For example, studies have shown that people tend to find symmetrical faces more attractive because symmetry is a sign of genetic health 
and stability. Now, as we've discussed, perfect symmetry rarely occurs, and it's actually not even really desirable. Still, clear skin and healthy hair are, of course, indicators of overall health and can be a sign of reproductive fitness. Then, as we know, what's considered beautiful can also be shaped by cultural and social factors. For example, certain body types and fashion styles are considered desirable in some cultures, and they may be less valued in others. Also, we've got cultural norms, and of course, the media right now, the media representation, that can play a role, a big role in shaping beauty standards. And in fact, young people today have a very, very high threshold of what beauty is. And of course, we you're finding all these apps of filters uh, on their photos so that they can become uniformly beautiful. So, yeah. And of course, people's individual preferences for beauty are influenced by their personal experiences and their cultural background, as we saw with the Nigerian lady. And of course, exposure to different beauty ideals, especially Snapchat and TikTok and other apps. For example, what somebody finds attractive may be influenced by the people they interact with or the media they consume. So the concept of beauty is really a complex interplay between innate biological factors and learned cultural and social factors. Okay. Up till now, we've really been discussing, for the most part, the outer external aspects of beauty. Mm. So, uh, Christine, how about the inner facets? Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, with pleasure. So inner beauty refers to the qualities of a person that are not related to their physical appearance. So the inner, not the outer, of course. And these are all about character, personality, people's values, their beliefs, and their actions, what they actually do. Now, inner beauty is often associated with qualities such as kindness and compassion, empathy, generosity, honesty, integrity, and a sense of humor. So unlike external beauty, which can, of course, be fleeting, which is fleeting because we get older and it changes over time, then inner beauty is more enduring and it can have a significant impact on how a person is perceived and treated by others. So inner beauty is often regarded as much more important than external beauty because it reflects a person's true nature and it can be a much more accurate reflection of their overall worth and value as a human being. Also, inner beauty is not limited, thank God, by age or gender or race or any other physical attribute. It's really inner. And anyone can cultivate and display inner beauty through the way they act, the way they behave, and that's totally regardless of their physical appearance. Yes. I'm I'm reminded now of, of a sequence in a gay play. Um, I think it may have been the first one. I don't know, but it premiered off-Broadway in 1968, The Boys in the Band. And there you have Michael. It's about mm. basically Michael who's preparing a party for Harold, who's the guest of honor. And um, Harold says that beauty is only in the eye of the beholder. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, actually, sorry, it's Michael, it's Michael who says that. Whereupon um, Harold responds uh, that it's also only skin deep. 
And at that point, um, Michael interjects because he never felt terribly attractive, unfortunately. Mm. And he interjects and he says that although has never been seen for his soul, he understands his mother's rabbi that his soul is a real knockout. Yeah, that's cool. That's such a great line. Now, actually, how important is beauty anyway, Mason? That's a good question. Well, as we're finding out, uh, the importance of beauty is subjective. It varies uh, based on personal values, cultural norms. In many societies, beauty is highly valued and is often Mm. associated with attractiveness, desirability, and success. Uh, People who are perceived as beautiful may have many more social opportunities, better job prospects, and higher social status uh, than those who are not. This is because beauty is often seen as a sign of good health, excellent genetic quality, and overall well-being. However, the importance of beauty can also have negative consequences, as Mm. we know. Mm-hmm. It can lead to unrealistic and unattainable beauty standards. It mm-hmm. can result in low self-esteem, uh, body dissatisfaction, and I, I would say, in a sense, particularly in women. Mm-hmm. Uh, this can also lead to negative mental health outcomes, such as depression and anxiety. Yeah. Furthermore, the emphasis on beauty can create discrimination and prejudice against those who do not fit the dominant beauty standards. Mm. For example, with disabilities or older adults and people with different ethnicities or body types. Yeah, it seems luckily that this is diminishing over time now. It's it's uh, no longer acceptable and people are stopping doing this as much as possible, which I'm really happy about. So, Mason, in conclusion, while beauty can have some advantages in certain situations, it should not be the only criteria by which we judge ourselves or others. It's really, it's important to appreciate and celebrate diverse forms of beauty, including our inner beauty, and not place too much importance on physical appearance alone. Besides, it may be inner beauty, which is the most important, such as confidence and kindness, happiness and dignity and intelligence. These all ranked in the top five out of 19 attributes that people said make the opposite and the same sex beautiful. Yeah, it's true. And and, uh, this is very positive because it leads us to realize that we may all be able to cultivate Mm. beauty. It's not something which we have to be born with and it does not rely, as you're saying, on physical appearance alone. Yeah, exactly. And that's so good. So, okay, let's then explore how we can make ourselves beautiful, how we can become beautiful? Mm -hmm. Well, it can be cultivated and developed in several ways. So here are a couple of tips for everybody. The first one is self-care. So practicing good self-care habits, such as eating a healthy diet, getting enough sleep, exercising regularly, and taking care of your skin and hair can really help enhance your physical appearance. The second one is confidence. Feeling confident and comfortable in your own skin can make you more attractive to others. You can cultivate confidence by working on your self-esteem, by practicing positive self-talk, and by developing a growth mindset. It's the yes and mindset. The third one is personal style. And by developing a personal style which reflects your individuality and enhances your best features, 
This can help you feel more attractive and confident. The fourth one I would say is kindness. Be kind, compassionate, and empathetic towards others because this can enhance what people see as your inner beauty and it will make you more attractive to other people. The fifth one is education. So actually learning about different cultures, their perspectives, and different experiences can help expand your understanding of beauty and helps you understand different forms of beauty. And the finally, number six, mindfulness. Practicing mindfulness and being present in the moment can really help you appreciate the beauty around you. And it cultivates a more positive outlook on life. Yeah. So to sum up what we've been saying, overall, while physical beauty may be partially determined by genetics, mm. there are many ways to cultivate and develop beauty, even external beauty through self-care, but especially personal growth and the inner characteristics of beauty. Mm. So therefore, yes, beauty is a very complex and subjective concept that is influenced by various factors. Uh, to go over them again, culture, societal norms, personal preferences, individual characteristics. Some aspects of beauty, such as facial symmetry and clear skin, may be partially determined by genetics, but many other factors can be modified or improved through lifestyle choices and personal grooming habits. Mm. For example, a healthy lifestyle, which includes regular exercise, a balanced diet, adequate sleep, can improve physical appearance and promote overall uh, well-being. It can also enhance beauty. Personal grooming habits, such as skincare routines, hair mm. care, Makeup application can also, of course, enhance one's personal appearance. Additionally, providing positive personality traits, such as uh, kindness, empathy, confidence, will contribute to a person's beauty. These traits can make a person more attractive to others and can over really enhance their overall appeal. Hmm. Would you say uh, that's it? I would, Mason, indeed, yes. I would also add that it's important to remember that beauty is subjective. What one person finds beautiful may not be the same as what another person finds beautiful. So maybe rather than focusing on the external factors, it's really important to focus on cultivating our inner beauty and our self-confidence, because that really will make us much more attractive and appealing to others. That's great. Excellent. So I would really say that's it. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Christine. Yeah, thank you, Mason. It's been a pleasure as always. Mm. Bye. Yes, bye. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. You've been listening to a Toolkit for a Better Life, produced by Christine Peterson. For more information and details on how to contact us, please see the podcast description.